Good morning. Welcome to the VBAC link, or maybe it's afternoon or evening, or I don't even know, whenever it is when you are listening. Welcome to the VBAC link. This is Megan, your host. And guess what, you guys? We have Julie today as Yay! a co host. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's always so fun to have Julie on. And today is actually one of her own clients which is super fun. I love when we have a doula client on the podcast because you can just connect with the story and people are bouncing back and forth. So it is so fun. And um, she's here from Utah. So we're all Utahns today here on the podcast that so we're going to jump into review. And then I'm going to tell you more about our guest, Michaela. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. I was a little nervous this morning. I'm not going to lie. Like It's so strange being on like as a guest instead of you know, like a regular host. I don't know. It's just this weird little thing. But also, I wanted to clarify, Michaela, actually, a birth photography and video client of mine, and she had a separate doula, uh, Janessa, who is incredible. But she's going to go into that more in her story, I'm sure, about it. But I do have a review, and I love this review. It's incredible. It was by Spring R. And the title of the review is Wow, Just Wow. And <laughs> I love that. Um, mm -hmm. She says, I'm what I like to consider a still pretty new mama, but I'm also a C-section mom. For a while, I really thought that's what I would always be. I hit some pretty dark places, but this podcast has given me light. I listen to multiple episodes a day and have a long stream of notes on my phone. Let me add, I'm not pregnant again, but that's how I prepared I want to be when we do get there for our next baby. This podcast has given me my first tool to get there. Recently, as quarantine life has become the new normal, I've almost always gotten an episode buzzing in my ear. My husband said I've got a bit of an addiction. I snapped back <laughs> really quick and said, I've got hope. It helps me believe in myself. And he quickly Aww. got quiet. <laughs> I love oh that. Oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. These ladies answer personal messages asking for help. I just can't say enough good things. They are that good. This podcast is just that good. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. You know, this sounds familiar, actually, mm. this review. It might be somebody that has contacted me and wants to hire me as doula tog, like when mm. she gets pregnant. Mm. And now I'm just thinking, because that review that sounded a little bit familiar anyways interesting. we've been talking for like a year now and she's not even pregnant and anyways might be who knows so it might be completely random somebody else but when she said personal messages i was like ah oh, maybe. maybe anyways oh well i love so that review whoever left it <laughs> and and you know what that's okay if you are addicted to a podcast i have podcasts that i'm addicted to <laughs> And I always have an AirPod that I actually have lost now. There is one missing because apparently I can't put it right back in the case. And <laughs> it, I just sit there and I listen to my podcast in one ear and then life in the other while I'm doing things. And that's okay. I love it, though. I love that this podcast gives you hope. And that is exactly why this podcast is the podcast that that. That is exactly why it's here is to give people hope and inspiration and motivation and empower you to make the choice that's best for you for your birthing day. So thank you so much for that review. You are tuned into the VBAC Link podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. 
Along with this podcast, the VBAC Link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan. Okay, Michaela, we are so excited to have Michaela on. She is hi. a... Hi! Yes, thank you so much for taking the time today. You are, let's see, you have a lot of things. You, you're you a photographer, right? As well? Yes. Yep. Yes, okay. And then you have three kiddos and you have been a 911 dispatcher for five years. Love that. That's really cool. I love that you say trashy reality is my guilty pleasure. <laughs> TV is your uh, guilty pleasure. That is so funny. And um, I love that you also love Taco Bell because <laughs> I have this weakness for Taco Bell too. In fact, we just went um, on a weekend trip for my daughter's gymnastics meet in St. George, Utah. And we, we got a taco from St. George. And you guys, I it's the best Taco Bell's like taco I've ever had. Like seriously, I'm like... St. George does it right. So when you're in St. George next time, you should go to Taco Bell. And Megan, I, really? <laughs> Megan and Michaela, you guys, I'm sorry, but Taco Bell is not very oh, good. Is, <laughs> you know what? It depends on the Taco Bell because the Taco Bell by my house sucks. But St. George, holy cow. I Like even my husband was like, that was the best Taco Bell ever. And I was like, right? So I love that. I love that so much. And I'm so excited to to dive into this story because I love hearing the big baby. You know, it sounds like you uh -huh. heard yep. big baby, big baby, big baby for so long. And so many people telling you you're not a good candidate for VBAC. And then boom. Boom. <laughs> and then boom. Basically, so, uh, the best yeah. way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let, let's turn the time over to you to share your stories and how this big baby and a non-VBAC candidate, mom, rocked her VBAC. So I have three kids. I have a five-year-old Claire, a three-year-old Boston, and then Charlie is my VBAC baby. And I feel like Charlie's VBAC story really starts with 21-year-old first-time mom, Michaela, mm -hmm. who mm -hmm. knew nothing. You know, like I was along for the ride. I had no interest in like pursuing any sort of birth education or anything like that, especially with like my mom's own traumatic birth history. So I was like, whatever happens, happens. It's fine. You know? Mm -hmm. And for my first birth, that was okay. Like it wasn't that big of a deal. I do wish I'd been equipped with more knowledge, but it, it was smooth sailing for the most part. She was, she came on her own the morning of my scheduled induction. So I was already in labor when I got there anyway my body was doing what it was supposed to do. She ended up being vacuum assisted because she was posterior. And that ended up being kind of a trend with all my babies, with, with them being posterior. So that was a really big worry I had with Charlie. It just felt like a normal birth experience. And then Boston, because Claire's was so normal, I went in feeling like, oh, no, I've got it. No problem. And then I was talking to an induction because, again, I was along for the ride. I didn't know the ins and outs of, you know, the cascade of interventions and things like that. And so I was in, induced about a week early with him. And 
both he and Claire, my labors were about 12 hours long with lots and lots and lots of pushing. But with him, I, I felt completely out of control from being induced and having my dura nicked with the epidural. And I had some major blood loss that was still like unexplained there in the middle. That was pretty traumatic. And I, with him, I pushed for hours as well. And he was just not coming out. He was so stuck. And my provider, he was, he was not pushy at all. Actually, he was very, here are your options. You can keep pushing. We can try a vacuum with him too. But if he gets stuck, it's going to be more complicated with him being farther down the birth canal. So we opted for a C-section with him. I was, I was, I don't know. I think I reacted really strongly to the extra medication because I was numb from like the chin down, just very unpleasant experience, which just added to the whole out of control feeling. So I went in there and as I'm feeling them tugging, you know, I didn't feel any pain, which was great. I was feeling the tugging and, and then everybody starts laughing and I was like, this is not the time to be laughing what's going on. And they pulled him out and they're like, he's huge and he he was he was a 12 pound baby and so there was probably no way i was actually gonna get him out on my own but ever, ever since having him everyone's like oh you just make big babies because my first mm -hmm. baby was eight pounds nine ounces he was 12 pounds <laughs> and he's still such a big kid he is a really big kid <laughs> yep he's he is so cute all the other kids in my preschool in my preschoolers class so and he's only three He's just big, like my whole mom's side of the family. But um, so after his birth, it took a long time to be able to talk about it out loud. I posted, you know, a really watered down and foggy version on Facebook as like a, you know, birth announcement post, but I don't even remember writing half of it. And I just remember how feeling like traumatized, but thought that that trauma was valid because I knew people with worse stories and that was something that I had to come to grips with. Like my trauma was still valid despite it not being maybe as bad as somebody else's, you know? Totally. Yeah. yeah. I knew we wanted more kids, but there was so much anxiety surrounding the decision of when to have more kids. And so there was a little bit more of a gap between Boston and Charlie. And I was still pretty afraid of birth until I had actually like a life changing experience attending a birth as a photographer. And uh, it was actually for Janessa, who ended up being my doula later down the road. But it was this beautiful, intimate home birth. Um, and I just, I found it so healing. She was like singing through her contractions and like the atmosphere was just so sweet and loving. And she was definitely like in charge and she knew what she wanted. And she was a practical stranger at that point, but it was still such a positive um, experience to watch her such have, sorry. <laughs> To watch her have such a positive birth experience, it was like life-changing. Uh, so then when I got pregnant again, I knew I did not want a C-section just based on how the last one had felt. I didn't even want an epidural based on the spinal headache I'd gotten last time with my dura being nicked. And I felt like having the epidural, not being able to move around during labor contributed a lot to both of my babies getting stuck. So I felt like being able to move in labor was going to be really important to me. And my OB who delivered Boston was actually super supportive, but it wasn't allowed to be back at the hospital where I live. It's a very, really rural area. He said he would just send me north whenever I went into labor, but I really wanted to know my birth team. And with that option, it was just, you get who you get, you know, and 
hopefully they're supportive of a, of a VBAC too, you know, mm-hmm. which I think we've all come to realize is hard to find VBAC very. supportive providers. Very, very. Yeah. And so when I was looking for a provider, I went through so many, but I, I began my research. I met with multiples providers and I just kept hearing you, you make big babies. You make big babies. Cause Claire was eight pounds, nine ounces, Boston with 12 pounds. You just make really big babies and it would just be easier for you to have a C-section and oh, here's all the risks and complications of a, of a VBAC and, um, but no one wants to talk about the complications of a repeat C-section, right? And this one particular OB, I don't know if I can shout him out because he made me really upset. <laughs> I kind of want to make sure like no one else looking for a VBAC goes to him. But he didn't even give me the decency of a conversation before completely shutting me down. I had gone in. I spoke with the nurse. She was like, whatever you want, you get. You're the birthing mom. And I was feeling like cloud nine. I even texted my husband. I was like, this is going so well as she was checking me in. And I guess the casual conversation that I was having with her about my birth history, she relayed to him like in the five minute span before he came into the room. And that was all it took for him to decide that I was not a good candidate for a VBAC at all. He didn't even want to talk to me. He didn't want to talk about the preparations I had made, that I had a doula, that I didn't feel as big as my, as I was with Boston. Like none of that even mattered. He was just, he kept saying that letting me have a, what's that? I said, he just put a label on you and was done. Immediately. Immediately. Like there was no conversation about any of it not in my birth history. I mean, even my original OB who delivered my last baby was like, no, you can do that. That's fine. But he just said it was made him and his staff uncomfortable. I ended up at Valley Women's Health, the Orem Midwives group at 30 wives, 35 weeks pregnant. And I just kind of stuck with them because they were the first ones to not tell me no right away. There were still some things I was hesitant about. There was a lot of like, well, you'll have to do this and this and this, and these are the requirements, but sure, we'll try kind of thing. Um, I did, however, have to go through a VBAC consultation at Utah Valley where they all discussed the risks of a VBAC. Um, Nothing about the risks of a repeat C-section, of course. Had me sign all those forms, you know. And then they had me do a growth scan, which showed Charlie being about three weeks ahead. She's going to be absolutely massive, according to them. But, like, I did not feel big at all, at least compared to my last two. Like, I just... And I was more active this labor. I was eating healthy. I was, you know, doing all the stretches and sitting in the right positions to make sure she wasn't posterior to, you know. And so I just felt like I could do it. And it really helped to feel like I was going to be in charge of this birth. And my doula was just very, very supportive all the way through. She was just like, no, you got this. You can do this. She's like, I know you and I know your willpower. So she was a huge support that way. And as well as my husband, he's never not backed me anything. He's great. So then August 17th. Uh, oh, I should also add that hospital where I was going to deliver is about an hour and a half away from me. Only like what? Five minutes away from you, Julie. Yeah. It's about 20 minutes from me, okay. but super hard. Oh, yeah. You're a little you. bit further. Yeah. yeah Janessa is only about five minutes away. Yeah. So I was preparing to labor in the car they had been like, you sure you don't want to be induced? I was like, nope, don't want to intervene with this at all. That My body's going to do its own process. So I was mentally preparing myself to labor for an hour and a half in our van. 
I haven't had my husband get the puppy pads ready <laughs> and like line the bottom of the van with the puppy pads. But I woke up to my strongest contraction about 4 a.m. And I, that's when I began timing them. And I, I got in the shower to see if they'd get closer together. And then they started getting closer together really fast. And the timeline is kind of foggy, but the contractions were so strong. I texted my doula at 5.30, letting her know that my contractions were about five to seven minutes apart. And that I was going to try and leave soon. She was going to have plenty of time because she was right next to the hospital. But in reality, I had only maybe two more contractions that far apart. Uh, it was just happening and happening really fast. So then I called my mom. She was getting ready to come over. And I woke up Preston and had him loading up the car while I was getting dressed. And I do actually wish I'd had him with me during those moments. But at that point, I thought we were still going to make the hour and a half drive. To the hospital so I was like no get this get my bag get my charger you know throw all the things in there the last minute things and grab whatever and just throw it in the van so he's running around like crazy trying to make sure he's got everything and uh I couldn't even get my pants on <laughs> in between the contractions I was like sitting in the same spot just powering through these contractions and I remember thinking like there is no way that I can do this unmedicated. I'm going to get that epidural as soon as I get to the hospital because all that I've heard in all my research is that when you think you can't do it anymore, that's when you're at the end, right? And I was like, well, I just barely started. How am I supposed to, you know, make it even farther than this? And not realizing that I actually was right there at the end with how quick it was all going. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, it was about... 30 minutes later, I knew we were not going to make it up to Provo. And so I called my doula and I, I think that was all I said. I think we're not going to make it to the hospital. She's like, oh, okay. Um, you know, well, get to Sampi Valley, the one that's only about 20 minutes away. They can't force you to do anything because that was my biggest worry. I was like, I don't want them to just like throw me on a table as soon as I get there, you know? Yeah. And that contraction that I had on the phone with her was actually the only one that I was able to have my husband doing like counter pressure for. And I was just bracing myself against the tub and he's like doing his best. Cause we really thought that I was going to have a doula there. She'd be able to like walk him through things. I wasn't the most prepared. I'm not going to lie <laughs> as far as like the actual coping mechanisms. I think that I was going to use, I had a metal comb that's used for like dog grooming that I was just clutching in my hand as tight as possible. The comb trick. Powerful. Yep. And I loved that, having that thing. That was a godsend, honestly. Um, my mom arrived about 6.15 and I was just like holding on to her. I was on. <laughs> it's funny because the two births I'd attended were so peaceful and like one like I said, Janessa was like singing through her contractions and, you know, it was a beautiful environment. And then another friend of mine, she was like the low moaning. It was a quiet atmosphere still. And I'm just like screaming. <laughs> and you can even hear in the background of the 911 call that my husband had to make. I'm just like losing it in the background. And I'm like, this is not the calm, cool atmosphere that I was expecting. But my mom got there. I had a super strong contraction and I was just feeling like the irresistible urge to just push and uh, when I sat back up after that contraction I felt my water which was bulging and that's when I had to tell my press my husband to call 911 and he was like oh 
okay, like this is, <laughs> this is happening right now. And right here, we are not making it to the hospital. And um, because I'm a 911 dispatcher, the operator they called is my coworker. And so <laughs> I knew the instructions she was going to give me. I was not about to lay on my back, even though she was about to tell me to. He kept telling me, she says, you got to get on your back. I was like, I am not getting on my back. <laughs> I mean, it's not what I want to do right now. Just tell her to get the ambulance here. We'll make it work. And so in that moment, I'd made it from my bedroom floor back to my bathroom, which is the tiniest room in my house. I don't know why I felt like I needed to be in there. But the EMT that lives around the corner arrived as I was crowning. So I'm holding on to my mom. I did finally end up laying down. But she arrives as I'm crowning. One push, Charlie's head comes out and my EMT, she unwraps the cord that was wrapped around her neck. Uh, it was wrapped around twice. So she was super nervous. My EMT was. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, another push and she was out and she was super pink. She was really healthy color. And what was really cool is this whole time, despite it not being my plan at all, there was no fear. Like there was never a sense of like, this is going wrong. Mm -hmm. There was a little bit of panic and there was a lot of self doubt there in that first hour. But there was no, there was no fear. Like I just kind of was able to just trust my body and know what I was doing. Um, despite none of it going to plan whatsoever, which was a really cool experience. So then they load me up into the ambulance. They take me to the hospital, which is where I deliver my placenta. We actually were only there for like six hours because for some reason, when you don't deliver at the hospital, they're like, oh, you can actually go home. <laughs> Backwards to me, but I wasn't about to fight it. Janessa and Julie arrived at the, around the same time. I didn't even call Julie myself. I just told Janessa, I was like, please call Julie and let her know what's going on. The rest is history. Like, it was just the most amazing redemptive birth. I got basically everything I wanted. I had written out a list of birth goals that I wanted. And on that list was intermediate monitoring, which I didn't end up having any monitoring. You know, getting my VBAC was super important, which I got. I didn't have to have an epidural. I didn't even have to get an IV. Like, it was just completely and 100% me. And that was felt incredibly powerful. And so it's been a really, really cool story to share, especially to other moms who are looking to do VBACs and stuff like that, especially after I was told, you make big babies, you make big babies. And this was another big baby. She was a nine and a half pound baby who came out on my bathroom floor with no tearing whatsoever. And I oh did that. <laughs> and you did it. And you did it very quickly. Very, very, very quickly. quickly. So from first contraction that woke me up to her being born was about two and a half hours total oh, compared to goodness. the 12 hours in total for both of, or the 12 hours each for my first two kids. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. That is so amazing. I'm sure on Julie's end, she was like, oh my gosh, gotta make it <laughs> I get there. Well, let me tell you. Can I tell you my version? Yes, <laughs> yeah. Super fast. <laughs> so I met Michaela. Oh, I don't even remember. Was it like a month or something like that before you had your baby? And close, um, yeah. 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 And I was excited because she, you know, I've had clients in the past drive up from, you know, two and a half hours away up here to have their VBACs, right? And so I love those stories. I love people that like really want to fight for it. And so um, we connected and 
Um, I got pulled onto the team, which I was excited to do a birth with Janessa as well. Um, but then that morning I got the phone call from Janessa. I think it, I want to say it was around six or six 30, somewhere around there, but might be a little earlier. And she told me that you were in labor and that you had to change plans and go to the local hospital instead. And that you were just going to, you know, kind of wing it and just push for your VBAC and, and, you know, fight if you needed to, and that you're prepared to do that. And the, but things were moving quickly and you weren't going to make it up to Orem. And so I was like kind of groggy and like halfway, I'm like, so like, does she still <laughs> want me to come? Like, <laughs> I think I asked that or whatever. Cause you know, you're half awake and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm saying. So she said, yeah, to get dressed and head, start heading down. Um, she said she was on her way. So I got dressed and I grabbed my cameras and gear and headed out. And it's about an hour and 20 minute drive for me, I think maybe, or maybe just an hour. I'm not quite sure exactly. But uh, so I start heading down and then um, I was just like, oh, please don't let me miss this birth. Please don't let me miss this birth. I was just like <laughs> so frustrated because I had missed two other births already this summer because yeah. people having fast babies. I had one VBAC client that went from three centimeters to baby in an hour and they didn't call me in until she was pushing. And I was like, why, 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 why? And then my other client that I missed had only a 41 minute labor and it was a 46 wow. minute drive for me. So like I had no idea. Anyways, so I was on my way and I was just like, please don't let me miss this birth. Please not another one. Please not another one. And, um, but I was excited to be going and, and support Michaela. But as soon as I was getting ready to go through the canyon in Spanish Fork, which is about halfway there, I got another call from Janessa and she said she just delivered her baby on the bathroom floor. And I was like, what? <laughs> she didn't even make it to the hospital. Like I was so surprised. Um, and yes, I'm absolutely super sad to miss it, but I'm also super happy that Michaela got like everything she wanted. It's funny because I remember we took, we have pictures and like video clips of you like reading off your list on the phone of like everything that you yeah. wanted and stuff. And that was super fun to, to go. And so I still kept heading down and we did a nice, um, golden hour session. I was there for a few hours with them and our kids came in sweet baby and everything, but it was wild. Like this summer was wild. So many crazy things happening with births and babies. And I just, well, I just had actually a nine and a half pound baby born about a week ago, even a nine pound seven ounce birth center birth. And I just love seeing these big babies come flying out into the world and uh, just as fierce as they want to be. And I love it. I love your story. <laughs> it's so wild. I just, I'm excited you get to tell it today. <laughs> it's so fun. I, I, I love being able to tell it. I think it's really cool that Charlie's got that story that she can tell now too. And now even she's got even news articles that she can look back on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was going to say, so you said earlier that the news had contacted you and you were on the news. How did that get, how did that story get out? Were they just like, oh my gosh, this, you know, accidental home birth did they talk about v back in there too i so it was very interesting to see how they took my story and kind of spun it i won't say it wasn't factual but they definitely like uh put a certain light on it i guess you could say yeah. so there our local ambulance i actually 
three more of my or two or three more of my coworkers work on the ambulance too, and so I'm really close with all, a lot of them. But they all I would like to see this article. I'll send yeah. it to you. Or she can yeah. send it to you, one of us. <laughs> I think there's a video on it as well as like an actual like written one. Yeah. So basically our local hospital, they do like an EMS highlight at the end of the year. And they decided that uh, they were going to highlight E from Ambulance this year, which is where I'm from. And the story that they were going to highlight was Charlie's story. And a big emphasis was put on the EMT, which I, I totally appreciate. I love her. She was, I mean, you know, she was a godsend in that moment that she was there and she knew what to do, especially with the cord wrapped around Charlie's neck. There was not a lot about me in the article, which I just, I find interesting. You know, it's not as much about the birthing mother, despite it being a birth story. Yeah. Um, so when the interviewers actually came over to my house, uh, we were just kind of having a casual chit chat before the actual filming and the interview began. And they were saying, oh, the hospital was worried that this was going to like, you know, make people want to have a home birth. And they were worried that we were like advocating for home birth. She's like, you weren't planning on having a home birth, right? I was like, what? Yeah, I was like, not that there's anything wrong with having a home birth, but no, I, that wasn't the plan. I was like, it is now. If I have another one, I'm probably just going to have it at home. And so I found it interesting that the hospital was like, oh, well, we don't want to promote home birth because it's uh... dangerous or, or whatever. <laughs> And so then in the article, it was very much about EMS, which is fine because it was their highlight. But they kept saying, like, the baby that came early, the baby that came early. I was like, she didn't come early. She came maybe, like, two days early before her due date, but she just came fast. And, came oh, fast. my gosh, what got me was they're like, and the cord was around her neck. And we, <laughs> it was <laughs> so emergent. Like, the way they talked about the cord around her neck was like, they saved your baby's life. I you know. know. Exactly. <laughs> so that's I, I, what, so, yeah, that's what people say. That's what people think. But we we all know, right? Like quarter on uh, the neck, ninety nine percent of the time, not a problem. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I the EMT that delivered her, she's wonderful, and I I have fostered a relationship with her now after the fact, and I know a lot of people that work on the crew, so it's. I didn't mind them getting the little highlight, but it was just it was very interesting to see how they spun it there at the end. <laughs> Yeah, kind of spliced it together. I know they were trying to work with what they had because I was so nervous about sharing my story that I was kind of all over the place. That's okay. Preston had to keep anchoring me and be like, "Don't forget about this part of the story. Don't forget about this part of the story." I'm like, "Oh, right, I know." <laughs> yeah, it's it funny. interesting. It, yeah, it just it's goes to show, like, just in general with news, right? How things can just be spun and taken a little bit more out of context to make it sound. I don't know, different or more desirable in one factor than the other. You know, uh -huh. when when you had yeah. a perfectly safe, beautiful vaginal birth after cesarean with a larger sized baby that was a fast precipitous, you know, precipitous labor, and then this amazing and he comes in and you know, they come in and they just help. And and how awesome exactly. it was that they were there and there was this nuchal cord and how nerve-wracking it was for them, but they knew what to do. They were trained and they helped, you know, instead of just like talking like that, it's like, you know, a little different. So it's kind of funny. Exactly. To yep. think about that, but still so cool that, you know, like you said, Charlie can go back and see and be like, look, I even made it into the news. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because I can't. A lot so of big fast. things happen in our tiny town. So. 
Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much, both Michaela and Julie, for being yeah. with us today. Um, one of the things I just want to talk about really, really fast is something that you were talking about from your second birth, right? Like uh-huh. you recognize or you say that, you know, you didn't, you had trauma, but you, you know, other people have more intense trauma, right? Right. Or whatever. But I don't want you to discredit the trauma that you did have because for you as an individual, the trauma that exists, exists. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's okay. And sometimes I feel like it's just natural for us to be like, well, I know I didn't have to have this, 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 or this happen like that person, which is more traumatic. It seems more traumatic, right? To like, right ear to the listening ear. But at the same time, you personally went through this traumatic situation and it's okay. Like we don't have to, you know, you can own that and be like, this was very traumatic for me and it sucked. And I had to work through this. And, you know, I want everyone out there to know that it's okay. It's okay to accept your trauma and, and recognize that it is trauma because that's one of the hardest parts is recognizing that that's traumatic. So proud of you for recognizing like, yes, this was traumatic for me. And, you know, even Julia, I'm sure would have situations with her own births or her client's births where sometimes like we walk, we walk away as doulas Mm -hmm. and we're like, they, they, it doesn't seem very traumatic to them, but it was really traumatic for me. And I wasn't Mm -hmm. even the one going through it. Right. Like I, I was an observer and and going through it that, that way, but it wasn't happening to me. And trauma just exists so differently for everyone and so for everyone listening out there one recognizing your trauma like Michaela did it's it's so important because I know for me you know I think I've told the story how I was in my driveway stomping around processing trauma that I didn't realize I still had but trauma is one of the best things you can do and so I want to just really quickly talk about Julie because Julie's on the podcast today too but she actually did a really cool YouTube video on our YouTube um, at the VBAC link um, on YouTube and it's a flame or sorry smokeless like smokeless unless you have lots of people doing it (laughs) unless you have yes we did it one time with a lot of people and we definitely had smoke but um, yes we did that was awesome but, but yeah like check it out because even the the smallest traumas may resonate largely inside and impact the end result and so definitely check that out on youtube at the vback link and it's it's like flamelet or yeah smokeless smokeless fire fairly yeah 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 okay but can Um, i add something really fast about trauma because you know how i uh you've been like yeah yeah Um, you've learned a lot about trauma (laughs) so i went through a big massive trauma processing like ptsd thing in 2021 and um it was super intense and it was a lot of therapy and a lot of sessions and there's um group sessions and everything like that and one thing that is so interesting is how everybody like perceives their trauma differently and i feel like everybody feels like oh my trauma is not as bad or this person's trauma is way worse or whatever yeah we compare we compare right we do yeah, there's people we, that are like, I, I never would have survived the things that you went through in your childhood. And I was like, dude, like, are you kidding me? 
you saw this, 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 and that. And I can't even imagine like going through that. And it's really interesting because we do tend to compare. But one thing that I learned through that process is, and one thing that I tell people, one thing that I want people to remember and know one thing that I want, want to remember myself whenever I'm feeling like maybe my stuff's not as bad as somebody else's, is that trauma is trauma. There's like no capital trauma or like small trauma. Like mm -hmm. it's trauma. And the thing about trauma is, our bodies and minds respond the same. No matter what that trauma is, there are physical and emotional symptoms that come when trauma happens. And those symptoms are the same, no matter if you feel like your trauma is more or less than another person's, all the symptoms are the same. We all go through those same things. Our bodies feel it the same right? It may manifest differently and things like that, but trauma responses are trauma responses and mm -hmm. processing through them. It doesn't matter what caused the trauma. The trauma is there and it lives there. And that is something that we all have the same. You know what I mean? Like no matter what yeah. the trauma was. And I think that, um, I see it so much, Michaela, when you said that, I was like, oh, I don't even talk about this, but yeah, mm -hmm. I just don't discount it because it's, in, it lives inside of you the same as everybody else's does, no matter what the circumstances were. Yes, I, I love that. I love that. And it is pretty crazy to think about all of the women that are even like that have experienced birth trauma, right? We, I mean, it's upward towards like one to nine percent of people that are actually diagnosed. And then think about all the people that don't seek for help right like that's yeah we've got a lot of we've got a lot of trauma out there and and it makes me sad that it happens but i love that you said that i love that so much so thank you yeah something i've noticed too on the trauma side is so many women don't recognize it as trauma because mm -hmm. they have been conditioned to think that no birth it's is normal. just a big scary traumatic thing that happens and when you have that trauma that's just what comes along with birth but hey at least you're still here you know, like I yep. have, my mom has her own traumatic birth history and she would not say it's not traumatic. She would definitely be the first to tell you like, no, that was drama. But mm -hmm. like my mother-in-law and I have sisters-in-law and they have all had one thing or another, but it's like, well, my babies and me are here. So it's fine. Mm, exactly. Like, no, the trauma is still so valid. And it took me a long time to realize that and kind of pushed against that normal or what has been perceived as normal for so long to recognize that it no it was traumatic for me just because it wasn't as bad as somebody else's or just because me and baby are here and healthy like that doesn't mean it wasn't traumatic and due to that trauma it took me a long time to even see a doctor when I found out I was pregnant because I was like oh because that makes it real <laughs> I mm -hmm. that makes this pregnancy real mm -hmm. and so even after having like some healing experiences it was still like my body was postponing calling the doctor and making an appointment. My body was postponing and putting off all these things that I needed to do pr to prepare as its own kind of trauma response. Exactly. And that's one of the reasons why I was like, you know, it, I congratulate you for recognizing that because it's so often, you know, I didn't even recognize it until I was in labor. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I have all these trauma factors that I'm now letting out in labor. And and so it's just, yeah, it's so hard. And it's so, it's natural, I feel like, for our minds to downplay it and be like, well, but I got this, so I shouldn't be traumatized or I shouldn't have right. fear or I shouldn't have 
you know, sadness because I do have my baby and I'm okay overall, you know, that, that doesn't mean we have to write it, write it off. We don't have to write it off. We don't have to push it down the tunnel and just forget it ever happened because we have a healthy mom and a healthy baby. And there was one birth that I was at here um, in Murray and the mom ended up having a cesarean. It was kind of a, I would say a pushed cesarean more than a needed cesarean, but, and she didn't want it and she was crying and lots of things are happening. And, and I ended up going into the OR on this and it was really, it, it was a traumatic cesarean. Like it really was. And then after he was, the doctor said to me, he pulled me aside and he goes, well, isn't she just happy now that she has her baby? Can't she just <gasps> let all that stuff go? Mm. And mm-hmm. I said, cause I had yeah. stepped out to give them a moment because they were really upset. And I, I just wanted to let them be together. They, it was clear to me that they just wanted a moment, just, you know, the two of them and their baby. And I said, I don't think it works that way. And he goes, well, that's how it should work. And wow. I will never, ever forget that because it was like, you totally just pushed her trauma aside. You did your job. You got the baby here. But now it's like, what happened leading up to that? What happened during it? And what's happening after shouldn't matter because she has her baby here. Well, that's totally gaslighting. Like, oh, come no. on. It was bad. It was bad. And it, he didn't say that to her. And I'm glad. I hope that he never did. Not that I know of it. He did yeah. it to me. And I'm like, you totally just discredited everything that she just experienced, you know, mm-hmm. and very frustrated. I for sure. It really, I, you know, it's hard. It it's really, really do. hard. It's hard. It's hard because, you know, I'm sure overall, like in his head and he's like, he just doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. He doesn't understand. He didn't experience that. Yep. But that doesn't mean she should just be okay. And so if, you know, if you're one of those moms that, and I'm going to tell you, there's lots of us out there that are like, okay, well, it's okay because I'm, it's fine. Like, I'm fine. I'll heal. You know, and my baby's here mm-hmm. fi- fine and safe. Like that, I'm glad, like we're all should be glad and happy for that, but it is okay to have to accept that. It's okay to say, you know, that was really hard. I, mm-hmm. I didn't like that. Or that was triggering for me. So like Julie said, you know, we all, the mind and the body and everything, we just, we got to work through it and we got to accept, we got to accept it. And it's really hard too. I want to add though, even, or not though, I want to add, you know, even if it's not necessarily traumatic, you're also still allowed to mourn a birth experience that you didn't get to have. Yes. Uh-huh. Even if there was zero trauma involved. If totally. you had something in your mind that you were working towards and didn't get it, that's still so valid. If, uh, because I know with Boston, my C-section at the end, I feel like it was necessary. Um, I didn't feel pushed towards it or anything. I don't know that it would have been necessary had I gone without all the interventions leading up to the C-section. At mm-hmm. that point, the C-section was necessary. But it was. Um, I definitely mourned the experience of not having a second vaginal birth. And I feel like a lot of women feel that way. Because it's like, well, your, your baby's here and you're fine and your birth wasn't even traumatic. So... What's, yes. What's the matter? Yes. You're more than allowed to mourn a birth experience that you didn't get to have. Right. Yeah. Julie and I have talked about that all all these years on the podcast. Is it's okay to be happy for your baby and and everything, but also mourn. Like you can have 
you don't have to only be happy or only be mourning or grieving the experience, right? Like they can go together. You can grieve the experience that you didn't receive while also being happy for your newborn baby. Exactly. Yep. And it's complicated, right? Like it feels complicated, but um, it's not morally right or morally wrong to mm-hmm. mourn the loss of the birth experience you wanted while being incredibly excited for your new baby. It's not, it's not morally right or morally wrong. It just is. And it's okay to feel those things. It's okay to sit with them and it's okay for it to feel complicated. Absolutely. Okay, ladies. Well, thank you so much again for being here with us today. And I, I do, I love your story. And <laughs> honestly, I, I like long for that birth. Like we're done having kids. We definitely are not having any more, but like I kind of long, I mean, those fast precipitous births, like they can be really, really crazy and very intense because your body's doing a lot, but yes, kind of sounds really fun too. So I <laughs> I honestly enjoyed it. Like out of all three, like that was my most enjoyable birth, easiest, you know, recovery afterwards. Like mm-hmm. I got to experience um, spontaneous pushing, like, or the, the, what's it called? The push reflex, ejection, you know? uh-huh. ejection uh-huh. reflex. Yes. Thank you. And that was so incredible because with my other two, I'd pushed for hours and hours and it started as let's do practice pushing. And then it was just pushing and pushing mm-hmm. exhausting. Mm-hmm. And so getting the, to feel the ejection reflex was honestly awesome painful mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but it was awesome and getting to just you know check all those things off of my list and knowing that I can do it and taking taking charge of my own birth there at the end was was really incredible mm, I love it well thank you on that note we will just leave on the positive it was incredible that positive note and thank you again both of you thank you would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Tell us about your experience at thevbacklink.com slash share. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julian Megan's bios, head over to thevbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC Link.